Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as usual, for the next 20 minutes or so, you'll hear our thoughts on three key topics that we consider important right now in the hotel and accommodation space. You've got me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, for a quick chat. And we're starting this week by taking a look at what's going on in India where there seems to be somewhat of a booming hotel marketplace as uh, international travel returns and as the Indians travel more and more. Um, Strong, very strong record results from both Indian hotels and the hotels division of the conglomerate ITC. These are the two big domestic players. Uh, ITC is just in in the luxury end. Indian hotels is in luxury, but also spreading its wings into other parts of the market. And indeed, we are promised some new brands from them shortly. Uh, but they're both enjoying the fact that um, Indian economy is is growing probably stronger than most other economies out there. It's a very large economy, and um, there's also a supply and demand imbalance. So as demand comes back for hotels, there's no short-term prospect of lots more being built so um, their room rates are strong their occupancies are going up and of course these are organizations that like so many others have honed their uh, performance during the pandemic they've sharpened their pencils they've they've culled the unnecessary and uh, so they're performing operationally much more strongly um, and of course uh, Indian Hotels has got a seasoned hotelier Puneet Chatwell who uh, although being Indian has had a lot of international hotel experience with some other big groups which he's clearly bringing to play as he uh, sharpens the performance of, of Indian hotels so um, all good all round and with China's economy uh, certainly slowing down it seems that India is the uh, the one with uh, the brightest upside right now yeah we should say indian hotels ihcl better known as the owner of taj of course um for for listeners um so they are the dominant uh, chain in india and they are indeed making hay while the the indian sun is shining and it does seem to be shining quite strongly right now so um i looked at a report Horworth htl put out um earlier this year on the Indian hotel market and uh, they used a Hindu astrology term um, Amrit Kal which uh, apparently it's the gates of greater pleasure it's when the gates of greater pleasure open um, and this is a, does seem to be what's happening at the moment in terms of that Indian hotel market uh, SDR figures analysed by Horworth show that room rates are 30% above the level they achieved in 2019 and this is in a period when occupancy is still recovering so on that RevPAR piece I think it's going to be um, there's much more to come and certainly in terms of arrivals they're already above where they were in 2019 so air traffic was uh, arrivals 370 million in 23 um, you know a, a 21 million ahead of the 349 million achieved in 2019 so all these things are lining up and looking very very nice indeed um and then you factor in you know the other tailwinds that are there so um you've got this investment in infrastructure which is taking place um and then you factor in the very positive macroeconomic 
outlook um, and this is having India as the world's fastest growing major economy um, and the number of households who are likely to be able to afford travel and tourism spending is increasing pretty significantly so um, 2021 um, this is data from ITC's Investor Day which was at the end of last year so in in 2021 5.6 million households had an income above 35,000 US dollars which is the kind of tipping point for when you start seeing significant expenditure on travel and tourism well this is expected to to go up nearly five times and get to 25.2 million um, a rather unrealistically precise figure there mm-hmm. but uh, certainly it's going to rapidly increase anyway the expectations um, you know by 2031 so uh, this is a, a big increase and it, what this means is both is a boon for domestic tourism but also that outbound market as well um, and on the domestic piece um, households in the 10,000 US dollars to 35,000 US dollars who just at the top end of that they will be um, tipping into spending on hotels certainly in the in the economy segment uh, a place where uh, um, Taj um, with sister brands is, is certainly looking at um, that's more than doubling from 70 million to 165 million over that 21 to 31 period so you've got this fantastic set of tailwinds here for the indian market um interestingly the other thing on that on that Hallworth report is actually the domestic chains are growing faster than international brands so it's a not dissimilar thing to you know what went on in china where the dominant brands have remained domestic chinese brands we see a similar thing happening here in india and again a lot of that growth being driven by infrastructure investment i, I my own perception is that uh, you know we, we're not seeing the uh, it, 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 with a chinese um approach which was the sort of communist party top down um they were able to drive things through um, pretty fast and furiously. It's it's certainly more steady in India, and that infrastructure is 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 more gradual. But it's certainly happening. Um, and I don't think you should see uh, India as the new China, which would be the cliche. I think that's wrong on a number of levels. But what is clear is that India is going to offer a similar sized opportunity as China had. Now we're going to be taking a look at uh, what's changed about consumer behaviour. And we had a couple of reports out recently from uh, Sightminder and Amadeus giving us a bit more colour on uh, what the new normal actually looks like uh, in terms of consumer behaviour. One of the good things for hoteliers is that actually the, uh, the consumer is by and large starting to look and book further ahead. Um, uh, Amadeus reports that um, occupancy uh, on its on its books was was looking much further ahead and um the the average number of days ahead that people book is extending and has extended beyond uh, the the twen- the pre-pandemic level um they also note that actually there's a there's a lot more data out there now and uh, even if you are uh, struggling to plan further ahead you can look at other other sectors where 
where the the flights booked for a trip are generally booked further ahead um, if people are booking um, home home rentals those are generally booked further ahead and so there are stats one can look at to kind of gather what's going on but other things uh, picking out from from the research um, SiteMinder tells us that um, travelers are still much more experience driven and are looking to purchase extras beyond the cost of their room um, that probably helps those trying to sell experience packages uh, but by and large, a a positive uh, picture from both of these uh, these these suppliers to the to the sector um, on on the the numbers of people where they're travelling to and how and how long they're booking hotels for. Yes, I got a bit confused when I, I drilled into the detail of these two sets um, of numbers from Amadeus and Sightminder slight sort of differences in terms of where OTA sat versus uh, book direct and on the brand.com websites but the key thing I think was that in both cases what they said uh, what the data shows is that uh, this recovery has as we've said in the past on this podcast and in the pages of Hotel Analyst um, we've pointed out that this recovery is very unusual in that OTAs haven't done so well and in fact the brand companies have done rather better and in both sets of data support that so in the case of SiteMinder um, what it says is that hotel websites ranked higher in almost a third of the list of the top 12 hotel booking sources when compared to 2019 so an improvement for hotel websites um, and and it also pointed out that you know despite international travel coming back which usually would support OTAs a bit more because the further you get away from a hotel brand's, um, brand's uh, website we'd particularly talking about the regional chains here um, the harder it is for them to reach but and that's normally where the OTAs come in but despite that return of international travel um, hotel websites did not drop in ranking on any of the top 12 lists and they do top 12 lists for a for a number of um, countries with SiteMinder um, <clears throat> in the Amadeus data set what you saw was uh, OTAs um, growing their share very modestly but um, for, for brand companies um, their share grew from uh, this is for February 2024 um, against 2019 so in February 2024 against February 2019 the brand share was 29% versus 25% so again what we're seeing here is uh, the brand websites really holding their own and uh, um, in the case of the Amadeus data significantly ahead of OTAs at uh, 15% um, so generally you know th what we take out of this is that um, this is support more supportive evidence for our thesis that actually this has been a different re recovery to usual recoveries in that it's favored the brand companies versus the OTAs and the woes of the OTAs are actually likely to get even worse at least the woes of the western OTAs so principally we're talking about booking and we're talking about Expedia here because th there is heading from the east um, some significant challenges in particular trip.com which is a Singapore headquartered company but is the the leading OTA in China and it's a bit convoluted how 
that this is structured because it's listed in the US and um, it has a, a, a bunch of uh, strange sort of um, corporate structures to enable it to um, um, dominate the Chinese space because in China um, you're not allowed to be a foreign entity and own um, um, uh, um, internet um, and similar sort of businesses so through this rather convoluted structure which does make it a little bit vulnerable if the uh, Chinese state um, takes against it um, but it's been able to dominate China and is now heading west um, and it's uh, been taking on Asia and it's now coming into Europe um, and it's an entry it was interesting in the SiteMinder data trip.com was I feel like I'm, I'm one of those DJs doing top of the pops <laughs> here Chris but it came in at number seven a new entry at number seven in the top 12 list in the UK so it shows that it's beginning to make um significant market headway there and and this is good news for hoteliers in that it's putting downward pressure on com on commissions as it's chasing market share there's this this pressure on the commissions which is going to keep the you know what booking and Expedia are able to charge in check um it's interesting as a note by um analysts at bernstein um and and they were looking at uh uh, some of their colleagues who study um, the e-commerce retailers. I don't know if you've ever heard of a company called Temu, T-E-M-U. Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, oh, well, you're better than me. I'd never oh, heard yes. of them, actually, till I, till I looked at that Bernstein note. And I looked at the Oh, blimey, you could get your um, razor blades very cheap. Yes, there's there, uh, actually, uh, lots and your, lots of extremely cheap and... items, which some of which some yes. of which might be fit for purpose. <laughs> <laughs> some of which, yes. <laughs> Hopefully a bit better in the stuff that when people come knocking on your door with a suitcase full of rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the e-commerce version of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But in, in, in what that they've done, this Temu has done, is in uh, you know the almighty Amazon, who is um, everybody thinks it is going to have, it's got the world at its feet. It's actually forced Amazon to cut its seller fees mm. to to keep market share. So it's Temu's come at it at amazon like that so i think there's a you know and and bernstein's thesis is actually what's going to happen in the ota space um trip.com's coming for booking and uh, expedia in the same sort of way so that's actually a good news story i think that fr from the from from a hotelier perspective i think this um the ota situation seems to get better and better okay yes i've uh, i've seen i've seen and heard of some items from temu um, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, as you say, it's um, uh, uh, some interesting, interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, be careful. <laughs> well, it looked mostly rubbish. Yeah, 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 quite. Cloths or they had a, an unfeasibly large number of nail clippers for some reason. <laughs> I don't know whether it was some sort. Of <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, cloths and nail clippers. It seems to be the place. To Is that right? Well, I, I was. Yeah. Um, yes, I did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, incredibly cheap prices. How you get like a one of those what do you call a pedicure or manicure sets for like two quid? You know, unbelievable, and all the different clippers well, and uh, scissors uh, and files and what. There's, there's also some incredibly um, kind of uh, convoluted reason why it's possible to send things from China in the mail for next to nothing all the way around the world, um, which we probably won't get into, get into right now. But uh, yeah, interesting. 
PhD. Oh, yeah, it's is an it? interesting, uh, interesting little diversion. Anyway, let's leave that to one side for now <laughs> as we get <laughs> on to our third topic of the day, which is to uh, have a fresh look at uh, what's going on with third-party hotel managers. Um, I had a, had a chat with a couple of them this week, um, and uh, they are <laughs> they're gently rubbing their hands, looking forward to the the up, uptick they're expecting in um, a transaction activity through the uh, certainly into the second half of this year, because as one of them said turbulence in the market is good for us hotel managers um they're more likely to pick up uh, more more new opportunities to op- to operate hotels if, if they've just been newly newly sold um but one of the things we were looking at was the extent to which uh, uh, uh investors are getting involved alongside um hotel third party managers and also the extent to which th- there is an expectation in the market that third party managers should put their own hand in their pocket and put a little bit of uh, skin in the game in terms of taking a, an equity stake in in some of the hotels that they manage um buying them to uh, uh be a bit more creative for the for the upside um so uh, interesting that uh, bespoke is now uh, seeing this, I spoke with Thomas Greenall, the CEO there. He he said that they're seeing more of that. Uh, they are famously a, a third-party operator that that runs a lot of independent, unbranded hotels. But they're looking to get into more branded hotels, and in fact uh, have started to roll out their own Hotel Gotham brand um, as well. So, um, but they they there were to be ebbs and flows. They've uh, been looking after uh, the coast and country portfolio, which is currently being sold off one by one by uh, Christie and Co. So they'll be losing there, but they're expecting to gain in other parts of the UK market. Um, and I uh, also had a conversation with uh, Frank Croston, partner at uh, Hamilton Pyramid Europe. Um, they actually have got a uh, big investor, a Canadian pension fund, um, standing beside them, ready to invest in uh, lots of European hotels. But they've been finding it quite difficult to uh, p- pick off uh, assets that are for sale at a sensible price. And they're just hoping that uh, uh, things will normalise later on this, this year and they can get uh, get out and get spending and get acquiring. Yeah, interesting um, phrase or word, normalise, mm. isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, what's normal? What's normal? The point I went on to talk about in my comment on this story was, um, so we've got this bricks and brains split, not particularly flattering <laughs> to the um, real estate investors. They have been called bricks, but there we go. Um, <laughs> I suppose you could call them bricks, given how well, how badly some of the they've done lately particularly in the office market but uh, um we'll, we'll mark that one for one moment um and um actually the, the the evolution that we now have is this bricks brawn and brain so you've got the the real estate investment component you've got the operations piece and you've got the brand piece and hotels are by far i'd suggest the most evolved in this in terms of all the 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 real estate asset classes in terms of having this three-way separation um and um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, the biggest third party player, by far the biggest, Ainbridge Hospitality, um, <clears throat> which is uh, actually it rejigged its US operations um, this week um, into two divisions, Ainbridge Select, which goes for that sort of economy mid scale bit, and the Ainbridge Full Service, which, um, well, the upscale and above and includes all of their lifestyle bits as well um so it tidied that up and um the um global president um mark tamis said that uh, um it, the industry's 
I'll quote him directly. The industry is at an inflection point as brands continue to move to a predominantly franchise model and owners lean on third party managers to provide the operating experience and track track record they need to succeed well yes um, and uh, is that mandy rice davis point he would say that wouldn't he <laughs> but i i think you know he's right um and and there's certainly the case that you know where you've got this focus coming into the business that act does actually help drive um superior returns i mean it, it's nuanced it doesn't do that in all cases and it and it's one of these things where you you are going to have to take a you know a flexible approach and you know what Frank Croston was talking about in terms of having that equity partner there to come come in alongside is very sensible. But I I do think sometimes some of these uh, um, other third party managers they're getting a bit um, you know uh, they're both owners and some of them are even becoming um, brand owners as well. And once they get into the franchising game, I think they just start looking like the old fashioned uh, you know vertically integrated hoteliers of old. You know the sort of thing things we left behind 20 years ago um so i'm I'm not very convinced that that is a long-term viable business model and i think there is a need to keep in your swim lanes mostly although you know be opportunistic and capture the the opportunities as they arise appropriately but uh, if, if you do too much of this um you know um getting out of your swim lane start doing stuff like franchising i'd suggest as a third party manager that's probably not a place you want to head into i think it makes some sense for third party managers to have up their sleeves a, a bunch of their own brands which they can slap on where where you've got a property that simply doesn't make a lot of sense to have a, to the full fee structure of a franchise um, loaded onto it so i think that makes some sense but to then get into the game of offering that out on a franchise basis i think it starts getting really confused and i'm not sure how helpful that is but uh, we'll see how it evolves i think it is an, an exciting period ahead um because of all these stressed uh, capital stacks that are out there um and there's going to have to be um you know a a a degree of movement i think prices will have to adjust a bit um but i think as we've been saying for a a good couple of years um it doesn't look like we're going to be heading into some sort of uh uh, meltdown on the now it's time for our five stars and no star awards of the week and uh this week i'm giving five stars to the real estate sector for its uh ongoing creativity uh in in just this period of, of just over a week i think three things cross, came across my desk uh, which kind of combined to to this into this thought uh, there's an office block in helsinki that's being turned into an apart hotel there's a hotel in madrid that's actually been been sold because it's being turned into a supermarket um and there's a developer in stockholm who's uh, repurposing a large um office complex um they've they've done a number of things and um part of it they're going to be carving out and turning into a voco hotel for intercontinental so um uh, well done to all those involved for their creativity yeah my, my, the no stars i'm going to give to the airline sector which is struggling to get back to sort of uh, normal operational um uh, capacity um so uh, it's looking at an amadeus report um better together rethinking how to manage disruption in aviation and the the number that leapt out to me was <clears throat> just how bad flight disruptions are and they describe flight disruptions as um any scheduled flight which is cancelled for two hours or more um and these are 
300% above historical norms, according to this report, which is kind of scary, really. And <clears throat> you think we're not actually fully back yet to where we were in 2019 with air capacity. And yet we clearly have these huge levels of disruption. Um, and I, I don't think, um, according to the survey that Amadeus conducted amongst um, airline execs, this is going to get um, better anytime soon. So that's a definite no stars oh for that. Well, on that unhappy note, we'll say goodbye for now.